0: it's Monday on Tuesday yep it's Monday but it's Tuesday Mm mm-hmm because this is one of those weird weeks okay and so apologies to those of you who tried to hear us yesterday Uh, our show dropped off midway through sometimes um, you know the technologies do these things so let's pray today for grace in the midst of technology uh, and let's pray for the encouragement of those engineers and producers behind the scenes who pull their hair out when such things happen. <sighs> let take a deep breath this morning. It is Tuesday. Um, all right. So, you know, 2020 has already been <clears throat> one of those years, right? So we, we're we dealing with COVID-19. It's left over from 2019. That's why it has the 19 on it. But it's 2020, and it is uh, the year we're dealing with it. And um, we're also apparently dealing with murder hornets, which uh, you know, <clears throat> I'm I'm not dealing with them, so I'm setting them aside. Um, let me say that the cicadas, however, who are on this 17 year cycle, the cicadas are going to wake up, and they are there will be millions of them. And so I don't know if you are, you know, familiar with the cicada. Uh, if you're a very young person, then you've never even experienced this. So every 17 years, these big noisy insects start to emerge. Uh, and so for those of you who live in the Midwest, maybe you're not familiar with this. Uh, it happens mostly in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, like it's a it's a but it is um, it's pretty dramatic. So just be on the lookout for that being in the news in the coming weeks. Churches started to reopen over the weekend, wondering if your church was among them. Mine was not. Uh, but churches began reopening this weekend. And one of the things that uh, I appreciated someone saying was my church was never really closed. So we're not really reopening. Um, my church went, you know, in into a different uh, rhythm and a different methodology of meeting, but we never closed. The church is never closed. I thought that was a good reminder, good reminder to us as uh, as churches are beginning to and church leaders are beginning to consider how it is that we will begin safely gathering together, even in the midst of uh, a health pandemic. All right. Uh, so gathering together in large crowds in some places um, happened in, happened a lot over the weekend. Wondering if you were at a Memorial Day weekend event where there were crowds in maybe a tourist hotspot of one variety or another. Um, I was not. Uh, so so there you go. Those are sort of the Monday morning on Tuesday morning kinds of things to talk about. The Dow futures are surging. Um, I think we'll wait to the start of the next hour to see uh, how that holds up before we talk about it. First up this morning, I've got Nick Pitts. He is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. He and I are going to talk about the mayor of Chicago sending police to raid a church That was open this weekend, or meeting in-person services. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Now, via Skype, is Nick Pitts. You can follow him on Twitter at JNickPitts. Welcome back, my friend.
2: So good to be with you. Happy Monday on a Tuesday. I feel like today is one of those days where you just need to eat breakfast for dinner. Everything's just a little bit different
0: today. (laughs) Okay, we're going to do that. I'm totally doing that. Okay, I discovered something over the weekend. I mean, you know, discovery may be a strong word here. Did you know that you can just buy bacon? Just bacon. At, if you go through the dunkin Donuts drive-through like they will serve you a sleeve of bacon like it's a whole serving just of bacon Why did nobody come up with this before This is a good idea
2: it, you know uh, it doesn't surprise me in this the country that our country with the land of the free because of the brave this innovative minds a surge in bacon it doesn't surprise me that you can just have be, order bacon out of dunkin donuts but uh, and it's a surprisingly forward. good I'm surprised by the goodness
0: surprisingly good, um, little egg white, um, egg thing in a okay. dish, in a bowl. Anyway, I know something, sometimes I'm surprised by something and I feel like, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah. So you don't have to just go to Dunkin' Dunkin'. Well, anyway, there you go. It's that's my, that's
2: that, little reminders of God's goodness and grace in this uh, broken world that we just need uh, every
0: once in a while. It's a little sweet too. The bacon has a little sweetness to it. I'll just go mm. ahead and just, I know. I, like that. I know. See, don't we want? Okay. The um the mayor of Chicago mounted police raids this weekend on black churches during Sunday services. What? What, what is going on?
2: Yeah, uh, I as you know that just for context purposes, we we know that the the governor of Illinois probably around two weeks ago started making news because he when they were offering up plans for the phased reopenings uh, pre uh, coronavirus. Uh, Mayor Pritzker or Governor Pritzker said that it could be within a it could be a, approximately a year before churches are reopening, which is just since uh, chills up everyone's waves, the idea that you're not going to be able to gather with the people of God for another year under statewide orders. And then this latest move, I mean, it's following after uh, two weeks after Mayor Lightfoot just first started issuing some of these threats and these these veiled promises to want to. Uh, uh, fine churches for continuing forward and so to hear over the weekend that there was actually raids that were happening on mounted horseback no less it's just it, it, it's just just it's it's disheartening, and it's also very infuriating to know that they're going to allow abortion services to continue in the state of Illinois. They're going to allow liquor stores to remain opened up in drive through format, but yet the church can't gather together if it's doing so responsibly. It's just very discouraging for individuals to hear.
0: All right, so I want to read a couple of quotes here so people can get a little context. Uh, Cornerstone, this is the Chicago Cornerstone Baptist Church on the south side of the city. Cornerstone Pastor uh, Courtney Lewis was in the middle of his sermon. He heard loud banging on the church's front doors, um, discovered it was the police, instructed the men of the church to lock the door and deny the officers entry. He said, thankfully, our doors are already locked as a normal safety precaution that we take each service to protect our members from the escalating gun violence in Chicago. Maybe something the police would better be served paying attention to. Um, That'd be my commentary. Um, And then uh, Lewis reached out to U.S. attorney John Lausch for assistance. And here is the U.S. attorney's quote on this. We're trying to follow the laws of man as much as reasonably possible. But when the laws of man conflict with the laws of God, uh, I, oh, this is the pastor again. I, as the pastor, have a duty to follow the laws of God, he wrote in his letter. Uh, We will not be intimidated by this overhanded government bully. We are requesting assistance of the president and the Justice Department in correcting this miscarriage of the law. Um, the, these these churches have already been fined pretty over, I mean, for them, pretty overwhelming fines. We've been talking here, Nick, about um, you know urban churches, small urban congregations, the help that they need just to survive, penalizing them um, by forcing them to not meet and then penalizing them again by fining them financially for meeting, um, and then threatening to, you know, I guess, uh, haul their pastor off to the pokey. Um, it just um, it doesn't feel like America. I'll just uh, I'll just say it that way. It doesn't feel like America.
2: And, and, you know, so so frustrating beyond belief. And you alluded to it in your comments is that this. Memorial Day weekend was one of the deadliest in Chicago was the deadliest in Chicago in the past four years like there were uh, there were eight individuals that were murdered uh, there were 24 individuals that were injured due to shootings and in the past four years that's the largest uh, death count over a weekend in Memorial Day history for Chicago and so to think that they had the resources and they were going to give attention to churches that were more than likely following safety protocols to social distance, et cetera, they're going to give attention to that to the extent that they're bringing people over to that, but yet not providing safety for individuals that literally whose lives are hanging in line is frustrating beyond belief. The second piece is to know that this has been happening to a certain degree across the country. There have been certain mayors uh, that National Review called them to a certain degree little tyrants that are being exposed right now. Of individ- That are going above and beyond, even when churches are following the same safety, di- social distancing and safety protocols in this coronavirus, they're going above and beyond to highlight them and to persecute them and to jail them or find them, etc. It's just it, it's just infuriating beyond belief because our founders knew it to be true that religion inculcated virtue and they wanted to give freedom for individuals to worship as they deem fit. So that they might inculcate virtue so that police wouldn't have to be called, but rather there would have to be fewer police because they were such a force for good in their communities.
0: Amen. All right. Just, um, when, we, when we come back from the break, Nick, will you uh, teach me how to say the name of Elon Musk's child and why apparently— <laughs> the woman with whom he had a baby um, doesn't go by her given name, but something, just one word, which is Grimes. I I clearly need a cultural explainer on this uh, this next story. So Nick Pitts is going to explain to me how a baby could be named a series of letters that are uh, nonsensical. Up next. So, what do you get when you take a Canadian musician, born Claire Elise Boucher, now goes by Grimes, and Tesla SpaceX CEO Elon Musk? um, What what do you get when they have a baby boy? Apparently, you get an X Ash A twelve. I need a splainer here. Uh, So, Nick Pitts is here. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. And uh, at least a generation younger than me. So I'm hoping he can whew, tell me what's going on.
2: I, I'd like to be known um, from here on out as the artist formerly known as Exxon Asher, or and Nick, please. Um, so if we could just uh, change the monikers, Paul, if you wouldn't mind just making sure that that's reflected, that would be uh, great. Now, now it's uh, so interesting uh, what has happened with Elon Musk. Obviously, we know just a, a brilliant entrepreneur here in the U.S. and uh, to a certain degree, this idea of uh, having a child is not new. Having a child and naming it a very uh, uh, non ordinary name uh, is something that is just very interesting, and so this name has like four components to it. So the X stands for the unknown variable, accordingly. That the the kind of the A that looks like it's leaning on the E, which is the next. Part of the name, I, I like to think it's just kind of a lazy A, just kind of hanging out on the E. It's the is Elvin in AI language? It's, uh, it's means love in several languages, including uh, Japanese. The A twelve is the precursor to the SR seventeen, which is their favorite aircraft, and the A at the end represents the Archangel. But it's just it, it, I, I I I'm just I, I don't know what. To make of it, I know that there's been many jokes uh, among millennials, or made at millennials, rather, that we, we have a desire for creativity and rebelling against the man. But this is this is taking it to a whole nother level. But uh, I would say that I'm not necessarily surprised when it happens to come from Elon Musk, to say the least.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, for those of you who are curious, um, Elon Musk has five other children twins named Griffin and Xavier, and triplets named Damien, Saxon, and Kai uh, from a previous marriage. And so um, names matter, Nick. I think that w- what I wanted to lift up in this conversation is that names matter and that names and the way that we give names um, says a lot maybe about the hope and expectation we have in, in a child. Certainly the names that are given in the Bible um you know are illustrative of of the point i'm trying to make and when um when two people are are deriving the name of their child from an admixture of letters and in fact numbers which is why this even made headline news because initially they put the number 12 in this child's name and mm-hmm. then uh they had to change the child's name by representing that 12 in Roman numerals in order that the state of California would actually print the name on a birth certificate. So because you have to have something that, you know, is actually able to be represented in the English language. And so um, I guess, you know, I don't know, it probably wasn't hard to bear the name Nick. It wasn't hard to bear the name Carmen. I just feel like even if you are Elon Musk's kid, it's going to be hard to bear the name x ash a twelve a even though i know i'm not pronouncing that right well how what, how do I even say it
2: yeah so it's it's fascinating. It was a study that was put out by Jean Twinge in uh two thousand and ten and she examined the names of three hundred and twenty five million American babies born between i believe eighteen a d and two thousand seven and she found that common names have decreased in popularity since nineteen fifty So, for example, there were more than 30 percent of boys were given a top 10 name in 1950, but less than 10 percent of boys were given a top 10 name in 2007. So we're thinking names like Josh, Aiden has surged in popularity as of late. Those names would not be given. Only less than 10 percent of those boys would be given in 2007. And her, her response is that American culture has just largely become more individualistic, and parents are favored giving child, children names that help them stand out, which means fewer common names. Uh, what's interesting, like what you said, uh, is so true. In the biblical narrative, a name was given, one, to honor the family in which they came from, but also was projecting the dreams and visions of what you wanted that child to be. Hence the reason why we see so much richness in the names like Jesus and Joshua and Caleb and Asher, et cetera, et cetera. And what's, I guess, a disconcerting to two degrees is that, one, there are fewer children that are coming into this world today from the American standpoint. Our birth rate is plummeting to lower levels. And then, two, it seems as though we're, dis- we're not rooting ourselves in the past with these new name changes new names. But the name probably isn't the problem. It's the concept around it, the desire to want to escape from the past and to chart a very individualistic future, which, prob- which gives me more concern as I look to uh, stories like Elon Musk.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave that right there. All right, do you um this is a surprise headline because it was a surprise to me and I'm just going to um throw it out there and see if you know anything about it. Otherwise, we're just giving it as a news item. Apparently, musicians have been moving to gaming platforms, video gaming platforms in order to find a paying audience, and 12 million users last night watched rapper Travis Scott uh in a concert on Fortnite. So Fortnite know, yeah. is a video gaming uh platform and 12 million users of Fortnite watched rapper Travis Scott concert last night. Yes?
2: The yearning the yearning for connection knows no end and in this pre in this coronavirus it is just unreal the links individuals are willing to go to be able to connect with individuals. I've I've heard about Twitch before. I've got I listened to a couple of podcasts where they've switched over because the sports have shut down. They switched over to playing video game sports. It is unreal how many Americans are watching, not just playing video games, but watching individuals play video games. It's just, it's so fascinating, the yearning to connect with someone that's of of similar aptitude and connection.
0: So I spent part of my Memorial Day weekend with some very hip teenagers, uh, and um, I have been briefed in on Twitch. And part of the conversation was, um, where should Carmen, you know, next appear in terms of Right, like, what's the oh, what's yeah. the next social media to embrace? Um, and so, Twitch was a conversation, but obviously, I'm not a gamer, so that's not going to happen. And so, it led to this very long conversation about, well, can you just could you be on Twitch, but always be in that mode where you're just chatting?
2: Yeah, I I, I completely <laughs> apparently agree,
0: not I, uh, apparently I, not. You,
2: I think you've got to pick up a video game, right? So I think that's the that's the <laughs> thing you got to do. You need to stop reading, you need to stop being oh, out in the yard, you need to start doing, this is not stop doing going to all happen. these other uh, more productive things and you need to get it's on So a video busy game
0: playing, playing video games that other people are watching me play and then I could host <laughs> I could host musicians who are looking for platforms where they can play because they're trying to figure out how to get paid cuz there's nowhere for them to perform right now. It's complex, yeah. Nick, um we, uh, we love you, man. Thank you, as always, for uh, bringing a cheerful voice to us in the morning. Um, happy Monday on Tuesday, and also, like, happy four-day week. And happy summer. Nick, do you know this is the longest possible summer? It's 107 days. Don't, w- don't waste a day of it. This is day two of the longest possible summer. Memorial Day was as early as possible. Labor Day as late as possible. I don't know about you. That seems like something to celebrate in 2020.
2: 2020 what will, will be a, a, a year for the record books. so great to be with you um,
0: it's always great to have you thanks Nick we'll be right back got wisdom so we don't just need experts we need wisdom we need we need wise leadership we need people who know how to not only discern Uh, facts and interpret data. We need people who are able to integrate the information that comes to them from a wide array of experts and expertises, uh, distilled down, applied to current events, and then, yes, uh, worked out through the implementation of policies and practices that are the best, the, the best possible under the current circumstances. And not only for today, but for tomorrow. Like we don't just need experts. We need wise leadership, that conversation. Up next with Daniel Taylor. We'll be right back. All righty. It is summer. And so we want to invite you to summer in the scriptures. OpenTheBible.org is an online ministry tool that is sort of co-created or at least co-launched by Unlocking the Bible and us right here at Faith Radio. So we want you to walk with us through the whole Bible in 50 lessons. Uh, Pastor Colin Smith, along with a, a lot of additional resources there, reading God's Word, listening to short messages, answering questions, all designed to help you know the whole story of the Bible. So join Faith Radio in summer in the scriptures. You can join us at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back.
2: If you're a regular at the gym, you know that building muscle takes time, effort, and determination. And the muscle fibers must be broken down before they're built up. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. I'm not here to be your personal trainer at the gym but I can tell you that making wise choices is like building strong muscle. If you're making all the choices for your teen, you're actually keeping them from getting stronger. Sure, there's breakdown first. Your son or daughter will make lots of mistakes, but because of the blunders, they'll learn to flex their skills a little better next time. The whole process takes time, effort, and determination on the part of parents, but the end result a healthy and strong young adult. You have teenagers under your roof? Find more encouragement and helpful resources online at ParentingTodaySteens.org.
0: Taylor. He is a professor. He is a writer. Uh, you may have recently read a piece that he had published in the Star Tribune about tapping into expertise. He blogs at WordTaylor.com. Daniel, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Well, it's a delight to have you. Um, let's just differentiate between expertise or experts and wisdom.
1: My basic thesis is that in all, in all times, but particularly in times of virus, that we, our decision makers need to be guided by wisdom, not solely by expertise. And the expert is someone who's devoted their entire life or much of their life to a narrow uh, segment of human knowledge and human experience. And they're very valuable and we need them and we especially need them now. But because their knowledge is narrow, it is not adequate on which to base broad decisions about how to live life. Uh, So we need to listen to the expert. But wisdom is knowing what's true and good and acting on it. And it requires breadth. It requires a great variety of experience. It's something that requires humility and exercise of the virtues and all kinds of things beyond the accumulation of narrow knowledge that we associate with experts.
0: All right. So one of the things that you say is a wise leader is the embodiment of virtues rather than a master of specialized knowledge. Uh, Let's talk about virtues. What is virtue and what are the virtues?
1: The virtues, they're are endless lists of virtues. But the seven cardinal virtues, which are a combination both of classical understanding and biblical understanding, are courage, prudence, justice, temperance, and then what are sometimes called the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. And of course, all those classical virtues are also in Scripture, so all seven of those. Um, But There there are virtue lists in the New Testament of kindness and love and compassion and patience and all kinds of qualities that characterize a person of virtue and a godly person.
0: All right. So when you talk about a person of virtue and you talk about um, wisdom being the embodiment, really, of virtue, you know, I think that when we look at the life of any person in leadership, And we are able to identify character qualities or characteristics, or certainly behaviors that we would consider not virtuous. Then we are led to ask ourselves the question: Is this a person who, because of their own conduct, um, has you know has the wisdom that I should follow? But we have flawed leaders in terms of their own personal behavior throughout throughout history, and certainly in the scriptures. And so, I guess I'm thinking here that um someone's personal conduct in terms of their virtuous behavior is not always a perfect indicator of whether or not they're still a wise leader we might follow
1: you you you're exactly right in your description of flawed leaders which is a reason for uh dis- seeking uh wisdom amongst the community and amongst many people not uh depending simply on a single person um, it is actually one of the advantages of democracy that uh, we distribute power among and decision-making amongst various source, sources and hope that collectively we arrive at something approximating wisdom. So, I mean, the perfect biblical example is David, King David, um, very uh, skilled, very gifted, often wise, and maybe his key, the key to his wisdom is humility to um, admit when he's done wrong and to ask God for forgiveness, but a very flawed person in many ways as well. And so the the Bible gives us lots of examples of wisdom, but it doesn't. Um, it's realistic about human failures too in human nature. So one of the arguments I make is that a wise leader in our time has to take into consideration human nature not just uh, statistics about infection and that kind of thing.
0: So I saw, um, and again, I'm talking with Daniel Taylor. We're talking about the need for wisdom today, not mere expertise. Um, And Daniel, I was listening or watching, I can't remember which, but it it was recent. And there was a person basically commenting that all of the people who are on air analyzing and commenting on, let's say, unemployment, all have very secure jobs. And so for, quote unquote, experts to be commenting um, on something very narrow on which they have expertise in a climate in which uh, the, the landscape is literally shifting as we speak. Talk with us a little bit about the need for people of wisdom who have uh, this sort of broad knowledge and expertise to be speaking into the concerns of the day versus are just listening to people who are identified as experts. They have PhDs uh, or, you know, or they have some accumulation of knowledge in a very narrow field.
1: Well, a a quality of a wise leader is empathy or Mm -hmm. compassion or similar kind of traits, which is the ability to imagine yourself in other people's shoes. So the employed commentator, or decision maker, governor, whatever, has to be able to use the imagination, literally, to uh, put themselves in the shoe of a person who doesn't have a job, for whom it's not realistic to say, "Well, wait six more months. We need six more months of you not working in order to stop this." Realizing that's not realistic. So when when the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it isn't just a pious kind of phrase. It is a uh, declaration that you fear the Lord in order to be wise, because the Lord is the creator who made the world and is giving you operating instructions. And so starting with fear of the Lord means you'll listen to the Lord's instructions about how to thrive, you know, um, how to flourish, how to have shalom in within this creation that the Lord has created. So a wise leader mimics that in uh, trying to understand this reality that we live in. So I would argue that wisdom is, is almost a synonym for realism.
0: Mm. Oh, I like that. Professor Taylor, tell us why narrow expertise doesn't work in the real world.
1: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say it doesn't work, and I wouldn't want to come across as diminishing uh, the significance of expertise, what I would say is we need more than expertise, and so it needs to be complemented by wider wider judgments. One of the characteristics of wisdom is that it's practical, mm-hmm. uh, and again, the Bible says that very clearly. It has to work in the real world, and there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Uh, you can accumulate lots of facts and lots, even lots of insights, but if you don't apply them uh, to actual life, then it's merely knowledge. And not wisdom. Again, in this situation, a leader has to take into consideration how human beings are made, and how they live, and how and what kinds of rules or guidelines are consistent with how human beings are. So, you're, so the expert will tell you, here's what you need to do. If the only if the only issue is health, or the only issue is preventing deaths for from this particular disease, do this, which might include as, you know, Dr. Fauci, who I respect, uh, says, we we should never shake hands again. Well, that's unrealistic uh, because that would also mean we should never touch any surface in public, including handrails. So he's not the expert. That's true, that might limit to a small degree the spread of this virus, but it's not realistic in the real world. So the decision maker has to say, well, thank you, Dr. Fauci, for all this information you're giving me. And I'm going to use it in making this decision that is practical and actually might work in the world.
0: Thank you so much. All right. That is Daniel Taylor. You can find him at WordTaylor.com, WordTaylor.com. We'll be right back. You're my defense. All right. If you were to Google uh, just the word China right now and then to click on news, you are going to see some disturbing headlines. Uh, one of those headlines is going to be a woman um, who is actually a researcher uh, and works with bats, like bats are the test subjects in uh, in her research. Um, and she is warning that the coronavirus is just the tip of the iceberg. That's that's disturbing. Um But in other headline news related to China, we have uh, what's going on in relationship to Hong Kong. And I want to highlight this today here just briefly um, because I don't have David Aikman because it's Tuesday, not Monday. And he and I would certainly be talking about this if he were here. Uh, We have touched on this subject on multiple occasions while we have been uh, praying for and frankly, in solidarity with the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong, uh, the church in Hong Kong, the Christians in Hong Kong um, are very, very active in, uh, in the pro-democracy protest movement there. You will remember that China is, that Hong Kong is technically a part of China. However, you know, they have had this, I don't know, unique relationship now for many years, and um, it was certainly the hope of many, many around the globe that China would see a way for Hong Kong to continue its semi-autonomy, a semi-autonomous way of functioning because Hong Kong is such an important uh, now global part of not only the financial world, but, you know, frankly, the people in Hong Kong have been living under Western values um, for many, many decades. And so for the communist Chinese regime to now be imposing um, very significant constraints on the people of Hong Kong uh, is is worth noting. Uh, I think it's also worth noting that it's not just Hong Kong where China is flexing its muscles And so I want to just call your attention to this because I don't want to lose sight of what is going on in the rest of the world while we are, you know, frankly, understandably consumed with what's going on right here at home. So Xi Jinping, it seems to me, is no longer concerned uh, about threats of international rebuke, which he has experienced as in words only. So the only real experience of... uh, of any kind of constraint applied by the global community on China. I mean, let's just remember, we have millions, potentially up to 2 million Uighur uh, Muslims in concentration camps in Western China. And they're now just wasting away there. Like, nobody's doing anything about that. And so once you get away with that, and then you start looking other places where you'd like to flex your proverbial muscles and you'd like to um, assert yourself, let's say, in the South China Sea, that is, uh, again, the the world community, the global community has said no, 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 but done nothing, done nothing to prevent China from asserting itself in the South China Sea. And so that would be something that you might be interested to look at. China's Coast Guard rammed and sank a fishing boat uh, in disputed waters off of Vietnam um, and, and and also swarmed an offshore oil rig operated by Malaysia. Uh, Beijing denounced the second inauguration of Taiwan's president. Chinese troops have squared off uh, against India. Uh, So now we're talking about two of the most populous nations, actually probably the two most populous nations in the world, squaring off uh, along their contentious border in the Himalayas. Here's a quote from a professor at Hong Kong Baptist University, Jean-Pierre Sebaston. He says, There was this idea before that China was being cautious, trying to cultivate soft power around the world. He says China tomorrow. Uh, These times are different, he says, those times, the times when China was being cautious and trying to cultivate its soft power around the world, he says, those times are gone. We have moved from what he um, is forecasting as just open dictatorship. Another sign of that that you would want to um, take note of, not only the fact that they have now arrested more than 180 people over the weekend in Hong Kong after shooting them with multiple rounds of tear gas and firing water cannons upon them, um, in addition to what's going on in Hong Kong and at the border with India and in the South China Sea, we also have um, a very new form of very, what, what's called, they're called wolf warriors, a very robust form of I'm going to use the word diplomacy here. Um, so we now have, instead of Chinese diplomats around the globe, particularly in here in the United States and in Europe, where they used to sort of be this in this bide their time mode, bide their time, bide their time, hide, the, hide your strength, bide your time, was their sort of the watchword of diplomacy for the Chinese over many, many years. Now they have taken the posture of what are called wolf warriors. And so I just want you to be aware of this because um, – we have talked about uh, China's efforts in in Africa. We've talked about the fact that they are now calling in loans um, that where they had nation states overextend themselves, and so now uh, China will own the natural resources of those countries because those countries are now unable to pay um, in the midst of not only pandemic but uh, but other crises going on in Africa today. So I want to lift this up because it's going to be a conversation we're going to return to over and over again. All right, one more brief break, and then we'll be right back.
2: back
0: Okay, um, just to wrap up that conversation about China, this is a worldview issue, right? So the Chinese are operating out of a distinctly different worldview than we are operating as those in um, at least the Christian heritage West, <laughs> those operating out of a heritage of Christianity in the West. Uh, China not operating out of the same worldview at all, and worldview matters, and it has consequences. Okay, um, to wrap up, let me just um, l- raise a little uh-oh. Again, if David Aikman were on with us today, I would have uh, asked him about this story. Apparently, there are more than 40 COVID-19 cases traced to one church service in Germany, so that's going to be um, a story that we're going to want to watch. We're also going to want to watch, um, as churches reopen, how are they doing so in ways that are safe, that safeguard um, people as best we can, certainly safeguard the most fragile among us, the most vulnerable. That would certainly be an ongoing part of our responsibility as believers. So how are you working that out in your own church? And what, is that, uh, what does that conversation look like? Be praying for your pastor and leaders of your local congregation today, I am certainly doing so for mine. These are difficult times to be in any kind of leadership, but particularly in church leadership where many of us have, um, well, competing expectations. And so let's be gentle, let's be gracious, let's be kind, let's support those in leadership in our congregations um, in every way, shape, and form, not only with our material ongoing gifts to support them, but also with our prayer support and words of encouragement And offers to help, like all of those would be uh, really significant just in terms of the welfare of our local congregations. And if there's an urban congregation that you know is struggling in your community, let me just encourage you to reach out to them by phone. Let them know that you're praying for them. um, Ask what you might do for them as well. All right, we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. It is going to be jam-packed. Dr. David Stevens will be here from the Christian Medical and Dental Association to brief us in on uh, some COVID-19 updates. And then I'm talking with Rachel Hartley. She's a frontline worker in New York City. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.